Hi, this is Ilka Cassidy with Passive House Accelerator, and thanks for tuning in to the special bonus episode of the Passive House podcast recorded at FiesCon 23 in Houston, Texas. And a big thank you to Solar Windows for their support of the series. Hi, Kat. Thanks for joining me. It's been a great conference so far. And it's actually uh, my first time in Houston and in Texas in general. So I'm curious, why did you choose or why did you t decide to come to Texas with the whole Passive House community? <laughs> well, I, um, I really felt that uh, it was time to go south. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, and also to uh, address taxes. Um, and uh, it was interesting to hear Councilman uh, Robinson this morning saying like, well, we used to be the oil capital. Now we have rebranded as the energy capital. Uh, so I, I believe that there is a lot of opportunity uh, for what we do just because it is not here yet, at least not um, on a broader scale. And secondly, people are very intimately uh, involved in, in energy and um, they have a lot of solar. So if and when we can convince the southern communities that um, like the, the passive building envelope at the center of microgrids, this is what FIERS is working on as the next kind of frontier, right? Like we're drawing the boundary beyond the building now. At that point, Texas is really in business. Uh, so as soon as you add solar production to a community and you organize the uh, past building um, kind of structures in, in a microgrid, you get the most efficient uh, result in terms of energy. And this will result in uh, overproduction of energy. And at that point, we can start talking about the new energy economy from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. And I believe once Texas gets a hold of that and they have an example like the fly flat and they, the light bulbs go off, I think they will be ahead of everybody else because like the energy sector is already um, uh, not as monopolized or centralized. It's, it's decentralized. So, so in what we might think as like a vulnerability from looking, down, looking from the north, like the, the grid fails, is actually an opportunity once you add this additional ingredient of passive building. Yeah. How about the challenging, hot and humid climate, though? Because I know it's, it is challenging to get it to work. Well, um, I actually really don't think it is. No? Because, and, well, as you know, we spend a lot of our time on reformulating what passive building is in all climate zones, like focusing in on the core uh, passive building principles that really are the same everywhere. Um, the targets are not the same everywhere. And we've fixed and corrected for that. Uh, as long as people have good, solid understanding of the building science, the moisture implications, the humidity implications, um, that like the components change as you travel through different climates, um, as long as all that knowledge is there, we're, we're in good shape. Um, the only thing that uh, changes somewhat is like the result, the return on investment, because in cold climates, the passive strategies are just like they, they pack a bigger punch <laughs> and they result in more uh, kilowatt hours saved, like not so much in hot and humid, 
there like the overall savings are probably more like 30% like in the north we get like 40 to 60 in, in multifamily so I'm, I'm talking bigger buildings right for smaller buildings it's better but uh, but if we're looking at the existing building stock and bigger buildings that's about the range that we can get and if and when we can get that then like with our solar PV production because that potential is greater in the south so it, it evens out um, and uh, we're going to see a really great keynote uh, example project tomorrow, commercial headquarter building in San Antonio, that uh, exemplifies exactly what I'm talking about. So huge potential and not not a hurdle. We have the technology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we know that there are other countries even across the world that are, they see value in adopting passive house and they have the same challenges or opportunities with a hot and humid climate, right? So, um, and I think it's really important to look across the borders to see what everyone else is doing and to learn and exchange. Yep. And uh, I was actually really excited when you set up a global um, passive house round table yesterday. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, and uh, it, it might come as a surprise that we haven't really pushed for that earlier, right? Like, we, we, we've had a very close Japanese partner for a while, but also through that close relationship with them uh, since 2018, we, we've also seen, like, that it is very important to be careful. Uh, there, and from our own experience, it's not just, like, transfer of uh, building science principles or technologies, availability of technologies, like an HVAC industry, all that kind of stuff. Like even if you go beyond that, there are other uh, factors that influence the transfer, and that is like culture um, and how people live, uh, the materials that they are used to working with. Um, so those things all become almost bigger challenges. Um, you can't just like take what we have in the in the developed world and just like plop it onto people like that. That's just not going to work. Yeah. And uh, Richard, during the uh, one of our board members during our global roundtable discussion, he rightfully so made made the point like, well, maybe we don't want to bring people who haven't made the mistakes that we've made in the developing world, but maybe we should start them off on the right foot. You know, it's like. So uh, I feel like um, care is in order and being very sensitive and doing it slowly and safely. Uh, and uh, that's, that's kind of like what I'm planning. So this is why we had like one example uh, case study from each continent. Like uh, you guys were leading the charge with your interviews. It's like what, what, where are these sensitivities in these different regions and areas and, and how can we facilitate that challenge? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, again, we're assuming technology, we kind of have that, but we need to transfer it to be successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was interesting too with some examples is just um, insecurity of the power grid, for example. So maybe there isn't, uh, you know, power available to run AC all the time. So we really have to think about uh, more re resiliency, like how do we coast through these temperatures uh, without any power? And maybe there's a way, I think what, what we try to show is there are culturally already very valuable vernacular uh, mm -hmm. examples. Exactly. And maybe it's, it's a good idea to just kind of look back a little bit and see what was done before systems were actually in place. 
So I thought that was that was just a really interesting discussion as well. And that resonated with a lot of the participants. Like yeah. I, I feel like almost everybody kind of referred to that like in their closing remarks. Um, and also, I think it gave people hope because like this transfer of like high-end technology seems almost like too daunting. But then tapping into local resources and local knowledge that is based within the culture, I think that pe people seem to think that that was a good way to go. Yeah, really just stepping back and reevaluating a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I guess one thing that we didn't even really address too much is what does that mean in order to follow a passports protocol mm -hmm. or what does that mean for energy modeling because all the parameters are set for the US right now right so going into a different country into a different climate and culture you might have to rethink basically everything exactly how you right. solve the problem right yeah. like so we're so used to uh, solving it the way we're, we're, we're approaching the problem um, Yeah, if you find yourself in Africa, um, maybe you have to kind of try to think about it totally differently. So, for example, like, yeah, a lot of people in Africa don't, don't have access to power at all. No electricity, right? Like, so now what do you do? And, um, but again, like, similar like with Houston, I think that the lack of access to electricity is actually a huge opportunity at that point. So what we need to communicate is, again, like, uh, building the most efficient building ambient use of ambient energy passive strategies as possible with local materials, ideally, like low embodied carbon, uh, and then build from there. So use the, the housing structures, efficient that you're going to build in an efficient way to essentially establish a, uh, a grid and availability to electricity from the bottom up. So that's that's kind of like my ideal vision. Uh, teach people how to build these efficient structures and then add solar. So because the structures are efficient, now you have overproduction that you can gang up as a community and then we're back to the com microgrid com uh, kind of idea. Um, and then we have like communities that produce and then that interconnect the networks. Yeah. So that's 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 a very positive vision. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think one thing that came up yesterday too is how small the world has gotten. That was that's such a nice <laughs> comment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I I totally agree with that because you just you're just a Google click away to connecting to people all mm -hmm. over the world and there's so much talent everywhere and there's so much interest already there that, yeah, it's hard not to want to connect, right? So is that the, the goal of this, this roundtable or starting the discussion first, just kind of connecting and seeing what's out there and looking at the potential, or what are your goals? Yeah, uh, tapping into people's interest and creativity and inspiring kind of like a different way to tackle the problem maybe and exchanging that with the other folks who are kind of thinking about it, right? Like, so um, slime mold, we're all connecting our brains, mm -hmm. but this time we're not doing it regionally. We're, we're trying to kind of like build this this network and exchange of ideas um, globally. And, and yeah, just like uh, throwing it open a little bit more than just like trying to take our like concept that we've been so intently working on and, and just like 
giving it another chance to open up. Maybe there's somebody who has a brilliant idea that will like make the light bulbs go off for all of us, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 you, I think you were saying this is like a two-way street. Something was that that was Andre. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, well, so Andre is based in Colombia, so he's like, well, this is a two-way street. It's not just like we're bringing something to the not so developed countries or something. It's like we we can learn from that as well and like improve our systems that we're applying. Here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a really good point too, because I feel like in in the developed countries, somehow at some point people just walked away so far from your surroundings, having a little bit more of a connection that we all have to step back and and connect more yeah. again with maybe also expect less, right? Like we we've come to expect like incredible levels of comfort and safety and security and whatever. So yeah, maybe we need to dial that back a little bit. And I think people are already doing this in their designs. I really like the uh, example that Matthew showed yesterday from New Zealand where people are um, kind of designing those condition spaces that are fairly small, but then they add exterior living rooms where they spend a lot of time. Yeah. Okay, like comes down to climate. Like maybe you don't want to do that in Houston, Texas mm-hmm. in the summer or something, right? But um, but yeah, so so just exploring these different kind of like techniques. Yeah, and that's that's a cultural thing again, right? right? There are countries at, in the Caribbean too, where the indoor exactly. outdoor living is huge. <laughs> Buildings without walls. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay. But it's nice to yeah. have a building that might be really small, but exactly. very comfortable and conditioned. Right. But then you have the opportunity to expand yep. to the outside, yep. however you yep. want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think this is this is really really exciting. <laughs> so, um, what are the next steps? Next steps. So, um, yeah. So um, we we have um, we've um, redone our website, right? Like, so we have not relaunched the um, the alliance side, but uh, every alliance chapter now has like their their own new design website. We're still linking to the old um, ones, but now it's all more coherent. And we have a global portal. So uh, PHIJP is like the first international partner that is already set up. We've translated like trainings with them. Again, we've tried to help them create climate data sets and and, like address their local cultural problems. Um, And uh, but that also is essentially telling us like we cannot do this for everyone. We need to find local partners who are like planted and who can think and solve these problems, we, we can assist and say, and we can offer like, okay, well, this is what we did here, but you might need something completely different. But people in these different uh, locations that take charge of this, they, they will have to be able to basically start f- or do what we did, like really look at it, question, is this, is this the right solution for my condition or do we need something different? They need to have scientific knowledge. They need to be researchers. Like, so um, I, I think this will not happen overnight, but um, I would like to see within the next couple of years maybe like establish a couple more nodes like PHIJP around the globe and like um, try a, a couple more countries and maybe really just focus for us for the moment on the OECDs, um, maybe the BRICS, um, like essentially countries that are similar in terms of like knowledge, HVIC, kind of that kind of thing, because that I feel we know well and we can maybe offer that. Um, but when it comes to like very different cultures at that point, I'm, I'm very leery. 
Um, I really don't want to jump into it too fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point to avoid the mistakes. Failure. That, <laughs> we're, we're so up against yeah, these deadlines yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. Where it's like, um, yeah. we, we can't afford yeah. um, failure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>